Hello and welcome to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Bridges, and here on this show, we dive deep into all things mothering, sistering, and humaning. Because the roles that you play are something you learned, not who you are. Let's begin. Hello and welcome back to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. Today we have the beautiful Liz Kelly with us. Welcome, Liz. Thank you so much for being here. So good to be with you. Liz and I met in a yoga class about a million years ago. Um, And I have been a huge fan ever since. Liz just came out with a book, Home to Her, um, and which we'll dive into um, among other amazing topics. But before we do that, Liz, would you just introduce yourself to our listeners so that they can learn more about you? Yes, I would love to. Well, let's see. I am a writer. Um, I call myself a goddess educator. I don't know that that's a formal title, but I use that. Uh, I'm a community builder, so I host online community around the subject of the sacred feminine. Uh, I'm a published author and also a podcaster as well, um, also on the topic of the sacred feminine. And I'm a mother of two kids um, and a former, uh, former kind of type a super driven business owner that took a a bit of a drastic turn when I found this subject, the sacred feminine and kind of went all in on, on studying it. Yeah. Yeah. I can see how that drastic turn um, really transformed the trajectory of your life. I was, I was there for it. I was there to witness that turn. Um, I think for those of us who are, listening, we can kind of bring to mind our own turns in our own lives. For me, um, motherhood, becoming a mother was definitely one of those twisty turns for me. Oh, yeah. And that one, that for me as well. And that also was really tied up in my interest in this subject matter that I study and I write about now. And I guess I would say that definitely the birth of my second child was a huge part of, of that turn. It was like a multi- multi-turn turn <laughs> it's yeah it, it's a twisty turny life for sure yeah. this journey so I want to just start um by reading a little blurb you have in your book home to her um and it's the the beginning of chapter three and you write in the beginning was her always her only her rolling undulating in the waters from which she emerged the water herself and the creation that poured forth self-generating a virgin in the truest oldest sense of the word she is the deepest dark of the earth the blackest of nights the holy silence of the womb she is the light within the darkness the darkness that tenderly cradles the light the ecstasy and the terror forever intertwined, the urgent pulse of creation, the crackle and hum of divine energy that surrounds us all waiting to be heard, waiting to be felt. She is everything. She is nothingness. She alone is. First of all, it's so beautiful. I I needed to read that several times and just really take it in along with the rest of the book. Um, 
So I'm hoping you can kind of take us on a journey into this topic of the great mother. Yes. Well, and um, so the great mother is one aspect that I write about in my book, one way of approaching this, this concept of the sacred feminine, which is understanding to me is how we understand the divine in female form or and or with those so-called attributes that we have labeled feminine, which may or may not have anything to do with biological womanhood, right? But historically, we have labeled those things as feminine. Um, so the great mother is one way that I outline how we might approach this idea of knowing divinity in a more female form. Um and what I was really interested in in researching this is I come from a, a Christian background, uh, um, Protestant, Southern Baptist Christian background, so fairly conservative. And God was always a man to me. Uh, there was never a question. The pronouns are always he. Um, it was just not even something that was discussed. And uh, when I found out about or just started to get curious about the sacred feminine, I did also get curious about creation stories and myths that might tell us about um, a creative source that was mother. And mm-hmm. as soon as I kind of got on that path, it was sort of like this um, this deep sigh of relief of sorts and also like recognition, like, aha, of course this would make sense because as a mother, as someone who has um, incubated life in my body and then witnessed and been an active participant of that life moving through my body and out of my body, I'm like, well, why wouldn't our ancestral people have known um, divinity or at least like one of their imaginings been divinity in female form? And so, when you start to dig into the history and whatnot, you actually find that there is there's a lot of evidence of this idea of a divine mother, a great creatrix mother who is generating all of life. Um, archetypally, you know, if you work with that, that, that idea that there are certain energies that hold divine frequencies. The great mother is also a very common one that I think is more modern, mm-hmm. but she's rooted in history. Um, she is a she is a historical fact, and so well, does that answer your question? Um, yeah, it does. And many of us will have grown up with a male um, father, God. So, if we're open to re envisioning God or goddess as female or having um, more feminine traits. What does that look like? How can we kind of make make more of a way in our lives for that envisioning? Yeah. And here's where, you know, we get into some interesting territory that we navigate, right? Because I, I like to say um, what we are talking about are female identified bodies, experiences, and attributes, right? Mm-hmm. That we have historically historically these things have been suppressed and we have said that these are lesser. And like I said, you know, there's, there's a whole really rich and evolving conversation right now around gender versus biology and Mm -hmm. what is, what is actually tied to biology and do we even understand the full spectrum of biology? So without getting stuck in any of those areas, 
we do have historical precedents to look at the things that we have traditionally, especially in our culture, labeled as feminine. Mm-hmm. And um, we can look to those things as like, typically they've been labeled as lesser or less important, right? So we can look at things like um, nurturing. You know, this is mm-hmm. something that like, I think most anybody who's a caregiver to a small child would know very deeply like what that means, but that isn't something that we've put a lot of stock in at a broader cultural perspective. Um, uh, aspects like, um, you know, as opposed to being linear, being cyclical, experiencing yeah. life in more of a cyclical way, um, as opposed to needing really defined structure, being comfortable with flow and what some people might call chaos. Um, mm-hmm time not being like in a straight like a to b point but mm-hmm. being much more fluid so things like things like that um and you know the thing is when you start to look around in nature i think you can see some of those aspects mirrored back to us in a way that makes it feel like ah of course this would be a big part of divinity you know um And I think that, you know, for the record, I think the divine is so much bigger than we can possibly name. Mm -hmm. And I I have so much love and empathy for my fellow humans who are trying to figure out this stuff. Like, how do we, how do we connect with this source that is so much bigger than us? So, um, I don't ever want to speak in in completely exclusionary terms. Like this is what the divine is, not this. But I think my interest in my work in this has been about reclaiming those pieces that historically we have named as lesser and saying, no, 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 no. These things are in fact sacred, extremely sacred. And like I said, usually you can find a historical record that that is the case too. Yeah. And also I hear um, that part of us is sacred too, that we're not outside of what is sacred. I think that is a huge part of it. And, um, you know, again, because I'm kind of a history geek, I, li- I like this stuff. But when you start to look back at some of these older traditions, you see an understanding of the sacred and divinity as living within every living thing. And that's really different than the version of a divine that I grew up with, which there is a male God. He rules over everything. He made everything. And then he stepped back and he's like, you guys do your thing. And yeah. when you mess up, I'm going to come in and judge you and tell you you got it wrong. Uh, in in the sacred feminine perspective, there is nothing that is not an expression of her. So mm-hmm. that means you and me, every blade of grass, every ant, every everything has a purpose and it is sacred. And so I think that can be one of the most empowering things for women in particular, in particular, who, you know, it would be natural that for us to witness that these attributes that we've described as feminine as lesser, it would be totally natural for us to have absorbed that we are lesser. Mm-hmm. So it can be a really, really radical thing to say, no, not only are these things not lesser, um, they are sacred. And if they are sacred, that means my body, my experiences are sacred too. And I think that can be hugely empowering and liberating. I know it has been for me. So it's bringing me... Um... So what's coming up for me is that, is there a dark side of what is sacred then? 
because mm-hmm. I know we often think of what is sacred. I mean, at least I do. It's like being bright and sparkly. But if all of our experiences are sacred, not all of my experiences are bright and sparkly. There are really hard experiences. Are you saying that those are sacred too? I am. And in Mm -hmm. no way do I want to make light of those things. I think some of us are carrying unimaginably hard burdens and I don't want to do the spiritual bypassing thing where it's like, Mm -hmm. you chose this. It's all happening for a reason. That's not really what I mean. Mm -hmm. But I do think, um, and this, you know, if you, if you look at shadow work or, or mm-hmm. anything like that, there are some tremendous gifts in that. And again, you find in sacred feminine traditions, there's this whole rich plethora of, mm-hmm. um, dark goddesses and yeah. dark feminine traditions. And I think it is to honor those experiences that really put us through the, the fires and really test us. Um, I think that some of those are the most sacred experiences. Even if we cannot connect to that at the moment that it's happening, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times those are the things that are offering us the greatest gifts. I completely agree with you. So I want to, I want to come back to motherhood because as we were talking a little bit before we hit record, um, For me and for many of the women that I work with, motherhood has a lot of masculine qualities to it, um, or it can. So there, you know, we have to be on time. There's a lot of production that goes into mothering. Um, So I'm curious if we can um, highlight the feminine principles that we can bring more into our mothering experience that maybe we've, you know, pushed aside as not valuable ourselves Mm. at inner patriarchy. Right. As you were saying, masculine mothering, I was thinking of the performative nature of it, you know, how Mm -hmm. everything's got to look good. Our kids have to look good. We got to get them there on time. We're going to put it on social media, how everybody looks perfect. Um, yeah, so I think, and I'm trying to think too of the things that I have brought into, um, you know, and, and this is an ongoing practice for, for me with my kids, um, the things that I try to bring into mothering with them. And then one of the first things that comes to mind is being okay, um, being okay with chaos, allowing there yes. to be chaos in the home mm-hmm. and knowing that that's going to be okay, allowing our children to feel chaotic mm. and holding them in that as opposed right. to trying to fix it for them yeah. or, or overly direct them. Mm. Um, allowing them to be in that deep, broken down kind of mess place and to witness their emotions without judging it or trying to shut it down. That feels more of like that feminine piece that we've probably denied. Um, helping our children deepen their connection to the natural world as opposed to um, trying to make sure that they're scoring perfectly on tests or they're doing this activity or that activity. I think lack of structure (laughs) can be a more feminine thing, like allowing our children to have those things. Those are some of the things that come up right off the top of my head. I hadn't thought about it 
gathering is like these masculine qualities. But as you say that, yes, I can definitely see that. One thing that I did with my kids, I haven't figured out how to do it now because I have a different card in, but I started doing this about five years ago. I'm always late, by the way. I don't know what it is. I have a really hard time getting certain places on time. And I noticed that my stress was feeding the kids. So mm-hmm. I just started turning off the car display of what time it is. And whenever the kids asked me, what time is it? I would just say now. And they would groan and roll their eyes. And they're like, oh, God. No. So, <laughs> but the truth is, what happens if you're late? Nothing. Mm-hmm. You're late, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, what happens? Like, yeah. absolutely nothing. Or maybe you get a slip if your kid goes into a class. And then what happens? Nothing. Yeah. So just practicing Um you know, those little adjustments I think can be really helpful. I am appreciating this conversation so much in my, in my mind, which I attend towards being in my mind being, which is a very masculine place for me. Um, meaning when I feel more in my body, it feels like that's more of a feminine experience, but I'm picturing a spectrum that's actually a circle rather than a straight line. And on one part of the spectrum, there is pure chaos, like the shadowy side of chaos. And maybe that is when we're just so fluid and which I think includes being so late that we can never arrive anywhere on time or ever keep our word. And then on the other end of the circular spectrum, there's rigidity where everything happens right on the dot and there's no room for any flexibility and that we can all heal our, um, you know, our, how far we are on the spectrum by just making a few adjustments. And then maybe not also, maybe one of the adjustments is to just lean into our natural way of being too. Yes, I love that. I love that. And I do think the word dance comes to mind. It's a dance, right? And also Mm. knowing yourself, knowing yourself and what you gravitate towards. I know for me, I can really fall into the rigidity place. Like I need structure, I need structure. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, like all the magic has gone out of place. And so, um, however, I do also know that I need a little bit of it. Or I do mm-hmm. start to feel really like scattered and ungrounded and I don't know where I'm going, what I'm supposed to be doing, whatever. So I think there is a dance of knowing exactly what it is that you need. Um, there's something else that came up from my from just now as we were talking about this too, about being in the feminine. There's so much control and order yeah. that I think is associated with patriarchal systems in particular, like everything and hierarchy too, like everything is controlled and we've got it all figured out and we know who you report to and this and that. And the more feminine approach is um, collaborative, but also collaborative like with other people, but also collaborative with, um, I feel like when we say the universe, that feels really like overdone, but like collaborating with a divine source and saying, okay, I know that I want this to happen. Um, I know that I'm going to hold like a, a loose container so that this can happen, but I'm also going to trust that it's not just up to me. Mm. You know, if this attention is in alignment and is, is right with what I need to be doing, then there will be, there will be support. There will be help. 
and it won't be like a judgmental father God kind of help, like I, you know, or I'm going to have to go repent for something before I get the help I need. Mm -hmm. It's just there because that's the way I think the Divine Mother works, you know? Mm -hmm. Again, we think about the mothering that maybe we all would want to have, whether or not we had it or not, and it's unconditional. You don't mm -hmm. have to perform to be loved. Mm -hmm. You just are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uncon that unconditional mama love. Yeah. yeah, and can we experience that from within? Can we give that to ourselves? Yes. Oh, and that is the most important, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Yes. Uh I think for some of us, that is a, a really hard thing to do and, and one of the most important skills that we can learn. And I think working with the sacred feminine for me has been really instructive and in helping me figure out how to do that. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I love that you also talk about is birth um, and how the feminine relates to um, giving birth, creating life from within. And um, this is something that we talk a lot about in the work that I do is giving birth to our dreams too, and, you know, getting pregnant with our own dreams. So can you tell us a little bit about goddesses who might inspire us along this theme of birthing? Mm. Um, I'm like, oh, where do I want to start? I mean, mm -hmm. there's so... There's, there's so many. Um, okay, so here's the first one that's coming to mind. Um, and I, I want to preface this that she's not from my tradition. So um, mm -hmm. just, you know, respectful recognition of that and always open to corrections if listeners have something that they want to, you know, weigh in or whatnot. But one of the first ones that came to mind is this goddess Yamaya. She's known by um, several different names. Uh, Yamanja, Yamaya, and she's recognized in multiple different traditions that came out of Africa. Um, a lot of times those traditions are kind of lumped together in one term, African traditional religions. Um, but she is known as she's associated with water, first of all. And I find that so interesting because there are so many really old goddesses that are connected with water and mm. If you think about what we know about science, this planet, I mean, we think it was mm -hmm. once all water, all mm -hmm. of life comes out of water, right? The first beings are sea creatures, and eventually those sea creatures grow legs and crawl out of the water and start to mm -hmm. move around. And, and so it makes sense to me that she would be water. Mm -hmm. And she is this ocean of motherly love, so, um, so warm and so so all supportive and yet if you cross her or you cross her children she is not that anymore and that is what i think of with like pretty much any good mother right mm -hmm. you were um <laughs> you've got bountiful love until somebody messes with your baby and then you're gonna have to put the smack down um i think some of the qualities of um Mary, and I don't really experience Mary as the Virgin Mary in Christian tradition at all, but I do very much feel her as um, as a mothering goddess and as one of my personal goddess guides or different mm -hmm. feminine guides. Mm -hmm. I think she has tremendous amount to teach us about mothering as well and the courage that it takes um, to say yes 
to becoming pregnant with your dreams. It is not a small thing to take this inception idea, to take this idea, to carry it through and to bring it forward in sometimes very dangerous conditions. So she's another one that I think of too. And also from the water because Mary, the name Mary comes from the word mare, M-A-R-E, which is Latin and of the sea. Wow, I didn't know that. Yes, yes. And a little fun fact here. If you go back and look at um, the Christian story of creation, the very beginning, in the beginning is darkness Mm -hmm. and it's water. Yep. God moves across the face of the water. Who created the water? Who created the darkness? It's her. Mm. Is the original creative force, I think. So beautiful. And we're all born in water, in the watery womb. Well, this is where I think, you know, like we tend to go big, right? Like we're trying to go, what's this big concept? Not understanding that if we are an expression of the divine, then the smallness of our lives and our experiences, what if that is the divine? And you're so right. We all come from water. We grow in the darkness of water. Why wouldn't our our experience match? And we're made up of water, mostly water, too. Absolutely. Yes. Which is her. Yes. So she's not something outside of us. She's in us, like literally. A hundred percent. Yes. Totally. So, so beautiful. Well... I think that will be my biggest takeaway from our time together today is just an acknowledgement that um, I'm, I'm feeling like saying I am her, which is I'm a little embarrassed to say that because it sounds, e- you know, egotistical, but I'm made up of her. She is part of me. Yes, you are her. Mm-hmm. And just think of. You know, think of if we all could really embody that, if we each are an expression of her. I think in an imbalanced patriarchal culture, that becomes, that's only, that's how it becomes problematic, right? Because yeah. you're thinking of like an old movie, I don't know, came, I think like Bradley Cooper was in it or something a long time ago. I, I didn't actually see it, but he gets his powers like God or something. And so then he's out there acquiring, acquiring, getting all of this money and and, you know, nobody can stop him and he's doing all these things. And I remember seeing the preview and I'm like, well, that doesn't seem like God-like to me at all. Like, if mm. we actually recognize our divine nature, then I think instead we respect this body that we've been given. We yeah. respect the natural environment around us and we take responsibility for ourselves and each other mm. as we would hope that... Um, divinity does for us and so if each of us is embodying the fact that we are an expression of the divine like i think only good things can happen from that so i would love it if we all said i am her i am her i love it Mm -hmm. (sighs) feels so good So to return to linear time, we've come to the end of our time together, which if we were really in the feminine would go on forever. And that's right. There would be no time. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, And we still have to function in this world. That's right. That's right. (laughs) So I'd love to hear from you one take home, one tangible action that we might be able to, um, 
take with us to further our journey with her. Okay. Can I give us a really short little meditation? That, Ooh, that you yes, please, that please, okay? please. Yes. Okay. All right. So I would just invite listeners, you know, now if you're driving or something, obviously makes more choices, but if you are in a place where you can to just get your feet on the floor, or you know what, do this later. You can listen now, do it later if you want, get your feet on the floor and perhaps get yourself into a dark space, a darkened room where you feel comfortable in a chair that feels really supportive of your body. Or if you need to lie down or your body needs something else, you choose that, but whatever is going to be most supportive of you. And then I want you to just close your eyes and just be there for a moment. You know, just allow yourself to settle into that space. And then I want you to call to mind somebody, a sunbeam that you really, really love. You know, so for a lot of us, that, that could be a child, right? And they could be, they could be any age. They could be the age they are now. Perhaps it could be when they were an infant. Um, it could be anybody that you love. And uh, it might be easier to imagine them as a child if they're an adult. It might even be a pet. Um, but whoever that being is, I want you to imagine that they are sitting in your lap with you. And you are pouring all of your love into them. And they're resting. Maybe they're sleeping, but they're resting very peacefully in your arms. I want you to imagine pouring all of your love right into this being so that you don't have to say anything, but you're doing it so that they can feel how much you love and care for them. And just imagine them, you know, receiving that and just relaxing into your embrace a little bit more and how good it feels to be able to hold them and to give this to them. Now I want you to bring your attention to your own body and your own back. And if you're sitting in a chair, I want you to just allow yourself to relax into it a little bit more and imagine that you are being held that same kind of love, that same kind of just unlimited, unconditional love that is wrapped all the way around you and now around this being that you are holding to. So you are holding this being in love and you are being held in this limitless love. That in a way, when we're in the darkness, I feel like we can feel even more acutely. And that, to me, is the love of the Great Mother. And I think this is such a good practice if you're trying to develop self-love, to allow yourself to be held by this force. You don't have to attach any face to it, any anything, but just allow yourself to be held and to believe that that same love that's flowing through you is also flowing to you. And around. And you can stay there. You know, as long as you want, you could do that on your own at any time. And just whenever you're ready, you can you come back and open your eyes and know that you are so held in that love. That to me really is the great love. <sighs> Mm-hmm. Yummy, yummy, yummy. <laughs> what a gift. Thank you so much for that, Liz. Okay, will you just let our listeners know where they can learn more about you? Yes. Um, I have a Facebook community called Home to Her. If you are on Facebook and you're into that kind of thing, you 
you're welcome to join that. It's a public group, so probably pretty easy to find. Um, my website is hometoher.com. You can find me on Instagram at home to her, and uh, on the website you will find a link to the, my book, Home to Her. It's all home to her, so that's pretty easy. Uh, <laughs> um, so you can find a link to the book if you're interested in that, and then you can also find a link to my podcast, which comes out every new morning, every bottom in case you're interested. Mm. So beautiful. Thanks again. And we'll see you on the next episode, listeners of the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. That's all for today, my friends. And here's what I want you to remember. Empowerment is an inside job. The only one who can empower you is you.